Welcome to the Christ and Classics podcast, where we discuss the classics in light of the Christ. My name is Devin Wilkins, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Colton Moore. And today we are in book seven, which means it's episode eight. Colton, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I, I particularly enjoy books six, seven, and eight as a, as a unit, and so I'm eager to talk about how book seven. Nice. Well, what is book eight about? Will you summarize it for us? Book seven? Oh, sorry. Book seven. Oh, no. Book seven. So Keeping you on your toes. Se- at the beginning of book seven, we're, we're coming off the heels of Paris and Hector in the city. Hector has just met with his wife, and Paris has just been shirking his responsibilities. And now they enter back into battle. Apollo speeds down from Olympus, and she's bent on raising the Trojans to the to the ground and proposes but but yet proposes a plan to, to halt the war and then she tells uh, uh, Athena that she should spur Hector's nerve and strength to challenge the Argive one of the Argives man to man in a duel and bloody combat and so as as the two armies seat them seat, seat themselves Hector rises up makes his challenge known and obviously the the uh, well, not obviously, but but expectedly, Menelaus takes up the challenge. Menelaus and Hector are about to go hand to hand in combat, but Agamemnon uh, dissuades him from doing so. So they say, "Well, let's cast some lots," and they cast lots, and the great Ajax is selected. And um, I like this because, um, a- as you'll find out, Ajax is like. Uh, the guy that Hector is afraid of the most throughout the uh, throughout the Iliad. If if Hector is a coward at all in the Iliad, it's when Ajax comes around. Ajax is mm-hmm. is considered the the second greatest uh, warrior on the Greek side, next to Achilles. Achilles. So this is going to be this is like pay per view. This is like pay per view <laughs> wrestling back in the nineties, where you've got like Hulk Hogan and the Big Show about to go. Go to town. You know, so this is going to be a great battle. This is worth the sixty bucks to pay to watch on TV. That is right. This is a lot like WWF. You got like uh, all these characters just like, oh, come, come, anybody, I dare you. Yeah. It's a lot like that. It was really dramatic too. Yeah. So yeah, and so they they begin to fight this Ajax and Hector, but their spears and swords prove no good against each other's skills. Ajax, he's a boulder. Don't know where he gets a boulder from. I mean, boulder out of nowhere in this book. Uh, he heaves this boulder from the field and he smashes Hector's shield, pins him, pin, pinning him down to the ground. And, Ajax, and Hector, sorry, Ajax is about to just take Hector out. But Homer says, quote, Apollo quickly pulled him up and now they'd have closed uh, closed with swords, hacked each other if if heralds and Zeus and men had not come rushing in. And they come <laughs> and they stop them and they say, don't kill yourselves. Rather, stay your, stay your weapons and it's best to sleep tonight in peace. Right. So Hector calls strangely and even beautifully for a truce. And he tells Ajax, who's about to kill him, we'll fight again tomorrow. Or until some fatal power decides between our armies, handing victory down to one side or another. And so, um, uh, they end up even trading armor on in, in no man's land. And so that night, Agamemnon honors Ajax among the Argives, while the the Trojans have a similar, similar conversation, and they, um, and in which they advise Paris to give Helen back to Menelaus. Paris is like, no way. 
No way. I'll give them all the treasures that I have, but I'm not giving them back the girl. And so they end up sending that message to the archives. The archives say, no, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cease fighting for the day and uh, we'll, we'll burn all of our dead. And so both, both armies unarmed meet on the battlefield to, get, uh, to gather and burn their dead. And meanwhile, Poseidon whines that the Greeks, this is how the book ends, that he's whining that the Greeks have erected their own palisade in a rampart of Troy, which he and Apollo built long ago. And it's likely to fall. And so, and so Zeus is like, hey, uh, brother, just calm down. Be satisfied with the glory that you have. Troy's going to burn. And it doesn't matter if you and Apollo built it or not. Like It's going down. You, you've got plenty of glory. So quit whining. He says something and, like, hey, we'll knock it down after this is all over. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is odd. It just, and that even raises just another question of, why do the gods bother? Why do they care? Like, is it like is is Troy akin? To, uh, is Troy akin to a little child's sandcastle that he spent all morning building, and then it's just going to be burned or, or destroyed? Like, do they view it like that? Or are they actually deeply invested in the lives of these men? Yeah. Sometimes it seems yes. Yeah, sometimes it seems no. But it is um, odd. That's uh, that's a summary uh, of the of book seven or. What I got at least, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, immediately when is when uh, they suggest, hey Hector, why don't you propose man to man duel? I'm thinking, wait, this has already happened before with Paris. Yeah, yeah. We're doing this again, and why would they even take you up on this? Because last time you guys broke the deal. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but before. The man-to-man duel was to end the war. You know, if the Achaeans won, then they, the Trojans would give back Helen and reparations. Uh, but, but in this case, there's no talk of, of this halting the war. In fact, it seems that uh, Apollo and Athena are just happy to to take a breather, <laughs> have a little man-to-man combat, and then they would uh, continue the fighting again later on. So this yeah. duel doesn't seem like it will halt the war. So well, what's the purpose? I mean, it actually does, but you would think that the war could be halted in, a, in another way. Like um, you see in lines 35, is 33, 34, 35, uh, Apollo has a plan and he's talking to Athena. He says, come, listen to me. My plan is so much better. Let us halt the war and the heat of combat now, at least for today. They'll fight again tomorrow until they, the Argives, win their way to the fixed doom of Troy. So Apollo, who's uh, on the, the Trojan sides, understands that his time is short with the Trojans because they're going to die by the hands of the Greeks. And so... Um, why does he want to halt the war for now? Um, I'm not so sure, but the plan is this, get two heroes on both uh, on the opposing sides to fight mm-hmm. and come swooping down just in the nick of time before they kill themselves and then, and then halt the war. And so the, I guess the question then could be, uh, why does it have to be two heroes about to fight to the death that brings about 
a temporary peace, a truce even. Mm-hmm. Is there any yeah, sort of conceptual Apollo and Athena, so in the in the Lattimore. <laughs> oh, you're Apollo in Lattimore now? Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I got to uh, read that translation. It's a, it's a more difficult translation. I know. Mr. House always makes fun of me for reading the Fagels. Mr. House, it is more difficult. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I read it. I read it in your honor today. Hmm. Um, it says that Athena and Apollo, assuming the likeness of birds, of vultures, settled aloft the great oak tree of their father, Zeus, of the Aegis, taking their ease and watching these men whose ranks dense settled shuddered into a bristle of spears, a shield of shields and of helmets. So you get the sense here that, that they're like birds and not just any birds, but, but um, birds of carrion, you know, the birds that eat the dead. Yeah. And they're sitting up there watching, uh, watching this play out. Um, so part of it uh, to me seems like there's amusement or entertainment value uh-huh. for the gods to stop everything. And let's just see the best of each fight it out. Yeah. And the other part of that is they're carrion birds, which means they, they eat dead flesh. And right. so you yep. have this, you have this sense of them, um, lusting for the, for the flesh of the 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 other side, so like a uh, uh, um, uh, Athena on the Greek side, uh, Apollo acknowledges uh, just a few lines before that, like Athena, I know that you want to just destroy Troy, quote to plunder Troy to rubble. It's your only passion, he says, and so that fits nicely with the with the um, uh, the simile of a carrion bird who's like just eager to eat that the 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 dead bodies, eager to kill. Right. And how does it play into them ceasing the war? Like, well, yeah, that's I was wondering if if it mainly has to do with it's not the war hasn't ceased so much as um it's really zeroed in on two individuals. Mm-hmm. Two individuals yeah. are going to fight it out and so it f- can focus your attention and it gets really juicy when you can you know, just focus on one of these two are going to die. And I get to, all my attention is wrapped right here. Let's watch. As yeah, opposed and, to and like, getting lost in the, the general war. Yeah. And the two characters who are chosen for the, for the battle yep. are Hector, the leading commander of Troy, and right. then Ajax, the second strongest uh, Greek soldier. And right. you get a glimpse of Hector's honor here. Uh, right before uh, Menelaus, I believe, steps in right. uh, to to raise his hand to fight him, where at least in the Fagels, it's line 101. Uh, Hector's reflecting on the man that he's going to kill in this duel. And he says, and some and someday one will say, one of the men to come, steering his oar-swept ships, ship across the wine-dark sea, quote, there's a mound of that man who died in the old days, one of the brave whom glorious Hector killed. So they will say someday, and my fame, like Achilles, will never 
die. So Hector sees that when, when he kills this man in, in no man's land, if he does, when he does, um, he'll kill him, and that man will carry Hector's honor to the grave, and they'll speak of that dead man, and even like that dead man will get some sort of honor himself by being killed by Hector. And so mm-hmm. Hector's fame will never die. And so like just to reiterate from last week, like eternal life for these Greeks is in the glory and in the retelling of their stories for ages and ages to come after they right. after they've passed away. And then Menelaus raises his hand. Agamemnon puts his hand back down. <laughs> and then they draw. <laughs> right. Like put, put your hand Menelaus, you're not going to you go up against Hector, you're going to die. And, and so uh Ajax is chosen. And, and then like they fight and they're about to die. And there's no indication that this fight will halt the war, as we said earlier. And so what's the purpose of it? And here's my here's my proposition. I propose that the fight happens. It's a part of uh, uh, Athena and Apollo's plan uh, to bring them to fight nearly to death just to save them at the last second, to bring peace. And that hmm. y- y- you have this beautiful... A truce that that seems to happen just out of the blue that wouldn't have happened otherwise if Ajax would have just plunged his spear into into Hector while he was on the ground that didn't happen mm-hmm. and um, it's similar to what happens in Book Six with Diomedes and Glaucus. Diomedes and Glaucus right. meet on the battlefield and they start they, they start talking and they realize that their grandparents <laughs> have been long lost yeah. buddies and they're like, "Wow, is that so?" Tell you what, well, I won't kill you. You don't kill me, and we'll just kill our. I'll kill your friends, and you kill my friends. Yeah, it's like <laughs> hey, here. I'll give you my armor. Well, here I'll give you my sword, and uh, just don't kill me. I'll I'll kill your best friend, but don't don't kill me. Okay, that sounds that's, that's a great deal. That sounds great. Right, and you don't get that sense with Hector and and uh, Ajax until after Ajax is about to kill him, and then the gods interfere uh, interfere yet again, and then they make right. a truce. Yeah, Colton, this this may be a tangential question, but why would Ajax if if Ajax could kill the main opponent, the main defender of Troy, why not say I don't care what you know, what Zeus's uh herald says, I'm going to kill Hector. I will get the glory and this war will be over. You know, I mean, it, to well, me, it didn't make sense. Like, well, I mean, like it, with, with Paris and Menelaus fighting earlier in the story, um, yeah. it, it's quite obvious why the war would end because this, this whole war centers around Menelaus and Paris. It's, right. it's Paris's fault and Menelaus's wife. And if they solve their problem, then the the two sides have solved, but Hector and Ajax seems to be a matter of strength. Right. Hector is the, is the strongest, the greatest on the on the Trojan side, and uh, Ajax is also the strongest fighter currently because you got the ironically epith- uh, 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 the ironically epitheted. Can I make it to a verb or a past sure. participle? The ironically <laughs> epitheted uh, swift runner Achilles. He's not so swift because he's sitting in his boat. Uh, uh, sulking and and anger and uh, with rage, and so the next in line is Ajax. So you got the two 
heavy hitting uh, soldiers on both sides coming to battle to show off their strength. And so I, I, I and so who, whose backgrounds don't necessarily tap into the heart of why the war is started. And so I don't think I don't think if they would have if one or the other would have killed each other that wouldn't have solved the the major problem because Paris still as we see in this book is refuses to give Helen back. Oh, I know, and that just drives me bonkers. That <laughs> you know, I think we should give her back, and Paris says no, and then his dad says, "Well, why don't you tell him what Paris said?" <laughs> Yeah, and like, I mean, this is also kind of tangential and kind of a side rabbit trail, but this is really similar to, Paris here is really similar to Agamemnon with Achilles. Um, Well, am I getting ahead of myself? Is this, oh, wait, I think I am getting ahead of myself. We'll see something similar happen in a a future book with with Agamemnon and his unwillingness to give back Achilles' girl. Oh, right, yeah. But your point is taken that... Before, in the previous duel, it was mainly, hey, we could settle this between the two guys who have the real issue, Menelaus and Paris. And however that goes, it's going to be over. But it didn't. It did not happen. And so with, uh, with, with these two, it is a, a demonstration of strength. Uh, and certainly uh, that would bring, it could bring the battle to a quicker halt if you lose your strongest warrior. But it doesn't necessarily do so because Menelaus and Paris still have their feud. And yeah. Yeah. I, and- I do think it's interesting that uh, that Menelaus... Uh, volunteers to to fight against Hector and Agamemnon says, you don't stand a chance. Meanwhile, Paris didn't stand a chance against Menelaus. That's right. So when you start to think about how Paris and, and uh, Hector compare to one another, oh my goodness. It's, it, 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 it's like you have Goliath for one brother and, and (laughs) a weakling, a, a mere child for the other. Yeah, and right after the heralds of Zeus interfere and halt their their fighting, yeah, um, H- Hector Hector's like, um, let's break off this duel. We'll fight again tomorrow until quote some fatal power decides between our armies, handing victory down to one side or another. So once again, there's this idea of fate working in the background. But then right. watch what happens next. Um, Hector is still talking. Uh, he says to Ajax, come, let us give gifts. Uh, come, let us give each other gifts, unforgettable gifts, so that any man may say, here's the purpose, so that any man may say, Trojan soldier or Argive, whether on either side, here it is. First, they fought with heart-devouring hatred. But then they parted, mm. bound by pacts of friendship. And it's like... Yeah. I read that and I think, man, that is beautiful. Two two of the greatest soldiers, the greatest of the Trojans and the second greatest of the the, the Greeks, fighting with hatred, nearly killing each other, 
being stopped, and then locking arms, trading armor at the end. Hmm. And I cannot help but wonder if Homer is communicating to us something about the nature of humanity mm-hmm. and warfare um, on a couple of different levels. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is a temporary peace within a longer war. You see something yeah. beautiful happen with like the 19, what was it, 1917, uh, 1914 Christmas Eve truce, right? where uh, both sides on, on uh, meet in no man's land on Christmas Eve. And right. there's this beautiful picture of reconciliation. And then they go back to the trenches and start slaughtering each other again. Yeah. It happened in book six of the Iliad. It's happening now. It'll happen again later. And the repetition makes me think that Homer is intentionally communicating that I, this idea of, of peace, reconciliation, mm-hmm. Uh, which is a beauty amidst hatred. And like that is, that's the heart of the Christian gospel. That, mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah. Before you go there, yeah, it is interesting well. that, you know, in the prologue, uh, rage goddess, seeing the rage of Peleus' son. And we see a lot of rage, not just Achilles raging, but many characters raging. Is the this... Gods- yeah, oh, how does this play into into the the prologue, the um, the role of rage in the the Trojan War? I think we see it. Well, one difference with rage in the prologue and and the anger and hatred rage call it here is something's been stolen from Achilles. Which angers him, yeah. Um, and something's been stolen from Menelaus, and that angers him. The gods rage because they're on both. Uh, some love the Trojans, and some love the Greeks. And here, the the, the, the hatred and the rage. I guess in my mind, it's like a twofold. It could be obviously this is this is inferential. It's not in the text that that tells me this. So I'm so I'm making a big inference here. Um. <laughs> They hate each other because, one, I'm a Trojan and you're an Argive. Argive, you're coming to sack my city? No, you're not. So you better buckle up because I'm fixing to kill you. You're not going to take yeah, my city. Right. And secondly, yeah. it seems to be a matter of um, of strength and glory. Hector mm-hmm. is, once again, the strongest, and uh, uh, Ajax, the second strongest, definitely the strongest on the battlefield right now. Yeah. And um, th- so there's a power struggle at play. And you see that power struggle with the gods as well, especially with with Hera and and Zeus and that whole that whole dynamic. And um, uh, so I I think that's that's going on a bit here. What mm-hmm. do you think about mm-hmm. that? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tracking. I I think. I mean, it's it's fair to say that rage is not a good even for homer mm. is that i well yeah good i i i think so but maybe like a me a necessary means to a greater end like remember i think it was in episode 2 or 3 
where we talked about rage and warfare setting the stage, the dark, bleak stage for something beautiful to come, such as what's going to happen in book 24. Here, it's like rage and hatred set the stage for this surprising reconciliation and friendship Mm -hmm. among two individuals who are about to kill themselves, kill each other. But, you know, similar to um, in the Bible, the fall, I'm not going to ever say that the fall was categorically a good, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is that conflict in the story of, you know, humanity that, that paves the way for uh, God revealing himself in the incarnation um, and the crucifixion and the resurrection and exaltation. And those are glorious, but, but that still doesn't make rage or not rage. That still doesn't make uh, sin, the original sin, uh, justifiable you know right just because just because an evil well rather wickedness evil and sin sin being used as a means towards mm-hmm. a beautiful a good true and beautiful end does not therefore turn that sin into a, a something good true and beautiful mm-hmm. i mean i mean um Many evangelicals will use the language of a means of grace, or mm-hmm. like you, you see in at the end of Genesis, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And mm-hmm. so the question is for Homer: Does he view does he view rage as a as a kind of good, or as a kind of, uh, or, or as a as an evil, but just as a means toward a greater end? I mean. Maybe maybe I'm reading into it, but I would have to think he doesn't think of it as a good because of how childish both Agamemnon and Achilles act from the very beginning. And that's oh, the source of the, the rage. And the whole thing, you know, Agamemnon and Menelaus – I mean, I think there's there's a sense in which Menelaus maybe rages against Paris, and that's justified and a good thing because of Paris's evil. But you know, I I want to say that there's something irrational about the rage of Achilles, the rage of something uh, irrational or rational, something mm-hmm. rational or irrational. Sorry, irrational. Okay. Um, and self-focused you know that they they can't see clearly uh in their rage and as a result achilles isn't even engaged in this battle uh you he should be fighting uh hector in this man-to-man battle right here the best of the trojans versus the best of the achaeans but he's not he's sulking and so i yeah, I wonder, I, I do think you're right that the truces that occur in book six and here in book seven, they do uh, go against the grain of rage in the book. And they promise maybe there's there's something more hopeful 
in humanity than what the gods merely gather around to, to, you know, be entertained by. But I, all in all, yeah, maybe it is just a hint of, of the loftiness that is in man. Um, and maybe that in part is also what attracts the gods to, to watch. Like man is not merely uh, a rage monster, but he's also, uh, also uh, capable of lofty heights in making peace and um, virtue. Yeah. And that, if that's true, then there's a kind of beauty that we tap into when we observe the gods watching and interacting with and fighting for the men. If they view them as not merely, uh, if they view them merely not as like a sandcastle on the beach with a, with a kid, but as like um, a living creation of theirs that they d- delight in and all of its complexity with with virtue and vice mingled commingled together then there's a kind of beauty there and I, and, and yeah. homer could help us imagine um what that's like from god's perspective we are his creation but yet yet we are his children and the greeks understood of 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 a divinity being like a father zeus is called the father often and yeah. a father loves his children and watches them grow and rebukes them and corrects them when there's when vice grabs a hold of their hearts, but nourishes them and helps them and bolsters and supports them always. And um, you get glimpses of that, especially when uh, soldiers whose fathers are gods and goddesses are about to die. Mm-hmm. You don't see it as much here. Especially at the very end of of book seven, um, <laughs> so while while the uh, while the Achaeans and Trojans are feasting overnight, what is Zeus doing in line five fifty one of of Fagels? Says yes, but all night long, all night long, the master strategist Zeus plotted fresh disaster for both opposing armies. His thunder striking terror and blanching panic swept across the rank. We'll keep reading it. They flung wine from their cups and and, and wet the earth, and no fighter would dare to drink until he'd poured an (laughs) offering out to the overwhelming son of Cronus. And then they lay down at last and took the gift of sleep. So it's like the book ends with them feasting and happy that they get a a reprieve from the war, perhaps even joyous that their two leading men have reconciled and in the yeah. background, there's disaster looming because your th- their father Zeus is a, is about to come crashing down on both of them, which is um, <laughs> not really fatherly like, and it's terrifying. And uh, yeah, I I actually wondered about that there at the end, and I know we need to wrap it up here, but I Poseidon was just complaining about how he wasn't. wasn't receiving sacrifices from the Achaeans for what they're building. Um, He wanted, he wanted to be honored in what they, 
you know, what they they were building there. And Zeus says, Hey, don't, don't make a big deal about it. You know, we're, um, fame of you shall last as long as dawn light is scattered after the Achaeans are gone back with their ships to their beloved land of their fathers. We'll break their wall to piece, uh, their wall to pieces. Uh, you know, don't worry about sacrifice and these things. But then after that scene ends and he shifts back to the uh, Trojans and the Achaeans, <laughs> they pour out wine on the ground in fear of Zeus. It's like Zeus excuses Poseidon and then Zeus gets a sacrifice. Am I reading that wrong? Uh, yeah. I, uh, Zeus isn't Zeus isn't the best brother, <laughs> <laughs> or the best father, or the best or husband. Really. Um, yeah, it's it's a moment where, as a Christian, you read this and you you look at Zeus's behavior, yeah, and, with Poseidon here, and you say, um. That's not gold. I'm not going to plunder that. Like Augustus saying, <laughs> plundering the Egyptians. Ah, that's a, there's some dirt there. Let's just um, push that off to the side. And um, there's a little bit of gold there. Let's take that. Take the gold and and push it off. Um, so it's the Trojans and the Greeks at this point in the poem are feeling really good. They're refreshed. They're um, they've burned their dead. But Zeus has got something else coming for them. Yeah. And uh, there's terror, there's disaster, there's panic. And it's going to come quick. Uh, but not before the battle turns, the, 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 not before the, the tides of the battle turn with Book Eight. Mm. Mm. So um, in wrapping it up then, This, to go back to the main question, uh, why doesn't this duel halt the war entirely? And uh, and then on top of that, why does the duel not even come to to full completion? Yeah, Um, yeah. It seems that if I'm if I'm understanding or the progress we made here, right? It is not a duel between the primary offender and offended. It is a duel between the, the best of the warriors. Um, And that really is to maybe entertain the, the gods Um, But then the gods call it all short. Um, I'm not exactly certain that I'm as clear on why they do that other than, well, maybe you could summarize that piece, Colton. Maybe maybe you have more clarity there. Why it is, say that one more time. In the end, why Athena and Apollo uh, halt the duel? Oh, 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 oh. I, I think that's just to set the stage for the reconciliation to come. Like, it, it gives them a pretext for 
reconciliation. That these uh, two, yeah. like the, the 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 all the, the both armies are see, are seated on their bottoms, seated yeah. while they watch these two fighters fight, and they're about to die. Gods intervene and they lock arms and they say, both to both sides, guys, let's put fighting aside for now. But the question then is, why did they even want to halt the war in the first place? We didn't get to that, but I, I, on next episode, whenever we talk about book eight, I'd like to explore some of that reason because it's something similar, something similar is going to, uh, going to happen. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we can wrap it up there. I guess sounds good to me. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the uh, at this episode of the Christ and Classics podcast. If you find it insightful or encouraging, please subscribe and consider sharing with a friend. If you have questions or comments, please email us at Christoftheclassics at gmail.com. We would love oh, to. Oh yeah, and that. we'll have that in the in the description as well. I mean, I, I'm willing to wager that there's nobody that's more encouraged by this than me. Like 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 just sitting get, getting on this and just talking with you about books is it's really delightful to my soul whether or not um listeners think 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 so so I, i'm really thankful yeah. to, to do this with you man at the very least you and i are encouraged <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, anyway with that take it away micah